time for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So wake me up Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Good morning, Myrtle Beach. South Carolina, these United States of America. Hope you all are doing well this morning. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in Myrtle Beach with the firm of Davis and Boyd. I'm your host for Saturday morning coffee, as I am every weekend. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Here at Saturday morning coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in your world, all the things that we think. You need to know here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we are all about limited government, lower taxes, and constitutional freedom. Freedom for you and me, all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save, and it starts right here, right here in this studio, right in your kitchen, at your kitchen table. Wherever you are, that's where your freedom starts. That's where saving this country starts. Joined here in the studio this morning, as I have been every morning this week, by the extraordinary mm-hmm. producer, Dr. Glenn Dye. Dr. Dye, how are you, sir? I'm good, Reese. I finally got eight hours. It took three days, but <laughs> I finally got eight hours. If you add up the sleep from yeah. those three days, it, it amounts to eight hours. We had quite a week. Uh, we did. We did. I, of course, was sitting in with Glenn for Nick Summers this week on the Liz Callaway Morning Show. And one thing I learned this week, Glenn, is that my hat is uh, forever off to those of you who work more than one job. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I yeah. mean, <laughs> yourself, present company included. Uh, this, is, uh, this, is not our, um, this is not our day. For me, it's not my day job. My day job is practicing law, obviously, with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. But this week, it was, uh, the radio gig was nearly full-time, yeah. doing a stint every morning with Liz. Liz asked me to sit in with her. And, and by the end of the week, I got to tell you, man, I was just, there was nothing in the tank. Um, Friday was, um, you can tell, we were worn out yesterday. Yeah. And it uh, it t- does take its toll on you. A uh, good thing is it, it happened on a good time for me, uh, personally. I got about 60 windows to cover this week coming up, but um, it happened at a good time for me. So business is good? Uh, business is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a busy week at the law firm. So I had plenty. That's the one thing you know. You never really know practicing law if it's going to be a crazy week or if it's going to be sort of a moderate, manageable week. And it really fluctuates depending on you know what your caseload is, what kind of cases we've got going, and where they are in the process. So, but last week was pretty tough, and uh, you know sometimes uh, practicing law is not that bad. Yeah, manageable. Well, some, yeah. You know, and then sometimes it is just off the rails. And last week it was very busy, and of course, or this week it's been very busy. And of course, uh, getting up at five o'clock or four thirty to come join Liz on the on the morning show didn't exactly make it easier, but it was fun. We had a good time, good show this week. She did a great job, yep. and uh, as, as always, so it true was professional. Fun to sit with her, and a lot happening this week, folks. A lot to talk about today. We've got a great show coming up. 
Uh, yeah, tell them about your special guest, man. Got, throw the uh, hook out yeah, there. Let's, let's throw it out there. We've got Al Allen joining us uh, this uh, morning. He's coming up at 730. And then later in the program, we're going to be talking to the Honorable Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Lieutenant Governor Evett is going to be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. So I hope you guys will stick around for that. We've got a lot to talk about uh, with her. And you guys are already checking in this morning on the PCRXcomputers.com text line, so we'll get to some of those texts. You are invited to join the show. You can call in at 843-903-2945. And as I just mentioned, you can text your comments to us on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-TALK. That's 798-8255. You can tweet me your comments. Yes, I still have a Twitter handle. I'll even share a tweet with you later in the program. Uh, my Twitter handle, as always, is at Reese Boyd. You can parlay me at at Reese Boyd 3. And uh, though I noticed they're still not, Parlor is still not in the App Store, so you have to go to the web to get your, your parlays. You can also email your comments to the show. It's ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com. And finally, for those of you who enjoy talking during normal business hours, the number for me during the week is the offices of Davis and Boyd. That number is 843-839-9800. Call and uh, ask for me. Ask for me directly, and I will take your call. I always enjoy, enjoy hearing from our listeners what you like about the show, what you uh, don't like about the show. I will take the call if I'm available. Let me say that. You so. see uh, Larry Biddle on the PCR's computer, 21 degrees up at Beach Mountain, North Carolina this oh, morning. Oh, up in the mountains. Yes, and then uh, Andy Thompson took a picture of his Saturday morning coffee mug, and uh, he's going to do some tax returns as normal. And um, That's a good-looking mug, Andy. Uh, I wonder where he got that Tim the mug car from. detail guy, Glenn, good sixth day in a row. Uh, morning. Good morning, Reese. He's drinking, drinking Javalia uh, Columbia Cafe Dumudu coffee with chicory. You ever put chicory in your coffee? I do not use chicory. I'm, not, was, a big, I'm not a big fan of chicory. What is the use of chicory? It uh, gives it a little bite, I think. I don't really know. Maybe, Tim, let us know what you uh, like about chicory in your coffee. I remember it as a kid, but I don't really... And I remember it costs less than coffee, so it made your coffee go further. I yeah. do kind of remember that, because I grew up in a household of five kids. Another texter coming in to us on the PCRXcomputers.com text line, Glenn, is Debbie. Debbie is asking if we will ask the lieutenant governor if the governor will commit to not accepting any illegal immigrants in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, mm-hmm. Debbie. One of the issues we have to talk about today is the crisis along our southern border. And uh, I um, will ask her about that. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Tons going on. Great show coming up. Hope you guys will stick around. It's Saturday morning coffee. I'm Maurice Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here for a Real Estate Minute with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team. And we've talked, Greg, on the show about how hot the real estate market is in South Carolina. Is the market still booming? It's not only booming, it still remains hot. Builders trying to catch up to all the demand. We've got only a two-month supply of inventory, so it's a red-hot seller's market for sure. So if folks are interested in selling, what can the Greg Sisson Team help them with? At the end of the day, it still matters on where you price 
your home from a listing side because if you overprice your property in this market and it sits for more than 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So it's still important to know the market and price it correctly. So the expertise matters. And how can folks get in touch with the Greg Sisson team? Directly on my cell at 843-251-2693 and gregsisson.com. If you are interested in selling in this market, give them a call. It's the Greg Sisson team, 843-251-2693 or schedule an appointment online at gregsisson.com. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But it knows his way around, and the mazes of the underground. Are no match for him But it looks just like a traveler Who hasn't showered in a while I've been living in the ground Milo is your best friend He's your second cousin All roads lead to He's a rising sun Milo is a long, long way from home yet Milo is a name you won't forget Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 719 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on the show, Saturday, March the 6th. How did that happen, Glenn? He's the captain. What's that? We got to March 6th? How did we get to March so quickly? Well, we got past March 4th. You know, that was the... uh... And the yeah. new inauguration. The new inauguration. Yeah. I just, I am amazed at how quickly um, Dennis Prager says that the days are sometimes slow, but the weeks fly by. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed at how quickly this year is flying by. It's amazing to me that we are in March already. A lot of you checking in on uh, the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Good morning. This is Deb. Keep up the great work. Reese and Glenn enjoying some Newman's own organic special blend, the Neanderthal. You know, that's a badge of honor. Yeah. The Neanderthal. What is this? Miller Time's got a long text here. Yeah, he needs needs some advice, uh, some legal advice. Okay. All right, Miller Time. We'll look at that. Will from Coastal Sports checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line and uh, again larry biddle showing us a great photo from the mountains good morning larry hope you're having four thousand four hundred and forty four feet yeah not bad not bad 21 degrees a lot happened this week folks what an interesting week it was how um, amazing uh sometimes the news is i was uh, did you watch the president's speech on sunday glenn no you didn't um cpac oh oh yeah i'm oh, sorry yeah. i you, know, you, I, you said president. My mind went to Biden. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> he's I still, like, he's I, still my president. First thing I thought of was, really? He did a speech? He did a speech? Yeah. No, no. I, I, I should have. Should I take I some questions or I what, Dan? I should have qualified. It's the office of the former president. Yes, I did watch that. Uh, the office of the former president, the former president Trump, my president, gave a speech at CPAC in Orlando on Sunday, and I thought it was fairly brilliant. I thought it was I thought it was a pretty darn good speech. It won't go down in history. It wasn't you know, it wasn't Martin Luther King, I have a dream. Right. Uh wasn't probably Reagan at the Brandenburg Gate, but it was a darn good speech and it did a lot, I think, to motivate the resistance. Yeah. Well, it also shows he is the uh 
at the top of the heap of the Republican Party. Yeah, it was. Um, he he was looking well rested. Yeah, he looked tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he looked tan. He yeah. didn't look orange. He yeah. looked tan. Um, looked like Florida was treating him well. Yeah, um, and yeah, I thought it really established him. There's been some questions since the crazy events of January 6th if Trump had damaged himself by those uh, events of that day and whether or not he would be sort of persona non grata or whether he would be the standard bearer for the Republican Party. And I think Trump did a really solid performance there establishing himself again as the standard bearer for the message. And he came out, interestingly enough, you know, since uh, recent events, there have been you know, you've seen tweets and things on social media about a Patriot Party and, you know, Patriots this and Alliance, the Alliance Party and various third party ideas. And folks, let me just say this. If you're a student of history and here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we are students of history. Uh, you don't have to do very much in the way of studying to be reminded that third party candidates are just a disastrous idea. It, yeah, it's yeah. going to take take votes from the good guy uh, the only yeah the only thing that happens in the case of a third party candidacy is you get somebody like a barack obama or a bill clinton elected people who could not be elected if all of the sane conservative minded common sense the reagan democrats of the world band together right. along with true conservatives and uh, and the people who look at the world uh, from a con- through a conservative lens if all those people get together and work together uh, we'll win but when we split ourselves into multiple parties we lose, and history has proven that uh, time and time again. It doesn't matter whether you look at uh, John Connolly and, and uh, you know, I think that was, was that 80? When was that? Uh, before my time. But anyway, look at Ross Perot. Ross Perot, yeah. Look at Ross Perot and the election of Bill Clinton in 92. That one I remember well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you don't have to, again, look at much history to be reminded that third-party candidacies just do not go well, for starters. They're a fool's errand. They are a waste of time for the people involved. And then... They also allow the Democrats to win, which is the why they're really damaging. I mean, if people, if somebody wants to go out and spend multiple millions on an ego trip, I'm more power to them. It's a free country, at least for the moment. But when they take uh, votes away from the sane candidate and get somebody like Barack Obama or Bill Clinton elected, I have a problem with it. So Trump uh, came out, among other things, strongly in favor of uh or against a uh, third-party campaign, said he was not going to be a third-party candidate. He was not going to create his own party. He said, we have the Republican Party. We are going to unite and be stronger than ever before, which I thought was very encouraging to hear. And he said it like he believed it, uh, Glenn. He said it like he knew what he was talking about. I agree. And he's going to work hard to see that that happens. So I I was very encouraged by the speech. Yeah. Yeah. And then yesterday he, bat, you know, uh, made a statement about the uh, the crisis at the border. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> and, um, and the other thing that he talked about, which I think, and not only was I encouraged, but I felt like, did you sense a lift of moods just uh, amongst people who think like us? I sensed people were a little bit energized. Yeah, but- I mean, uh, Don had uh, a text in asking if ever, you know, anybody had a tear in their eye or anything earlier this week. Yeah. And um, but I think it was a general. It was it was. To a degree, to me, it helped people to realize that if we will work together, um, that what we are experiencing now in the form of a Biden administration, which is a frightening experience, they're taking away our liberties daily. They are busy at work every day at the White House, remaking this country into something that you and I do not recognize. Right. And what I think 
Trump's speech and CPAC more broadly reminded us of is that this was just one election and that there will be another election in two years. And, yes, I think there was a lot of establishing uh, of the pecking order, Glenn. Um, Folks were positioning themselves whether to uh, get in line with the president. I noticed that uh, Ted Cruz paid homage to the president for the most part. Most people there uh, sung the praises of uh, the president, or I keep calling him the president, of Trump. And uh, I thought that was a delicate line that most of them were were walking, and and most of them, it appeared to me, either did not mention the president, President Trump, or they specifically aligned themselves with him, which I thought was uh, which which I thought was uh, a pretty interesting process that they were all going through. He said uh, again, Trump said we're not going to start a third party. He he characterized the Biden. This is going back to Trump's speech at CPAC on Sunday, the most. Biden administration as the most disastrous first month of any administration in modern history. Uh, he talked about, as you said, Glenn, he talked about the crisis uh, at the border. He talked about uh, what was happening there. By eliminating our border, Joe Biden has triggered the greatest border security crisis slash humanitarian calamity in, uh, in our modern history. He said uh, Biden, he talked about, he gave quite a bit of time talking about border security. But one of the th- things that I made note, he said Biden should lose the White House decisively four years from now. And then he quipped, I may even decide to beat them for a third time. Of course, the, the mm. applause was thunderous. And uh, it is uh, very interesting to see what is happening on the border. We'll uh, be talking to the lieutenant governor about that. The other thing he said is our children, he said the other main issue in which the Biden administration has sold out the American people is uh, what we have done and not done with regard to getting our kids back in schools following the COVID-19 pandemic. He said our children need to get back in schools now. Joe Biden, this according to Donald Trump, he said sold the American youth out, has sold the American youth out to the teachers' unions, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, folks. If you look at what um, uh, the Biden administration has said, what he has said through his handlers, and I, the interesting thing is, I think they're losing. They realize now they're losing that argument. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> um, it used to be the thousand immigrants coming across the border was a crisis, mm-hmm. and now four thousand immigrants coming across the border daily, daily, uh, and, and they're I, calling a challenge. Yeah, a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and frankly, Glenn, the number is much higher than that. The number is much higher than what they are acknowledging. With regard to voting, uh, Trump uh, not unexpectedly spent a lot of time talking about election integrity. He said, we need universal signature verification on our balloting. We need 100% verification that every person casting a vote is a U.S. citizen. Whoever doesn't want that, is an idiot. Yeah. What, what's your argument with that? Yeah. What is your argument? Why how can how can you make a case? Please, somebody riddle me this. How can you make a case that non-U.S. citizens need to be voting, and we don't need to be worried about whether they vote or not? That right. that to me is in, that is the definition of insanity. Right. He also said we need absolute chain of custody verification for every ballot cast. Now he didn't say paper ballot, but that's what that means. When you say that you need absolute chain of custody verification for every ballot cast, in my mind, the way I interpreted that, 
is it starts with a physical ballot and the chain of custody over how that ballot was cared for during the counting process, how it was cared for, how it was secured, how it was preserved is available for inspection by anybody, by some people who, by anybody who would challenge the election results. So ding, ding on that. That's uh, very important. So um, we are the leaders of the free world. Yeah. We should have a very (laughs) set in stone election. Yeah. So there was a lot more that we that he talked about. We'll be talking about those things. But uh, right now we've got to take a slight commercial break. We'll be joined in a few moments by Al Allen, member of the uh, Ori County Council. So we'll be back. Stick with us, folks. A lot to talk about today here on Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee coming up next on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour it is 7 34 on your saturday morning saturday march the 6th 2021 those of you listening last week may have heard our interview with um, ken richardson ken is a candidate for the congressional seat now held by representative tom rice Ken is running in the Republican primary, along with, uh, I think, a couple of others that have declared their candidacy. And uh, one of the things we talked about with Ken Richardson is current flooding. Of course, flooding has been an ongoing discussion on uh, this show and other shows because it has been so prevalent in the county in recent, uh, well, in recent years. I was going to say months, but it's longer than that. And uh, one of the folks that I started talking to, I talked to him regularly. He's a frequent guest on this show, is our own uh, councilman, Al Allen. Uh, Al represents the uh, western part of the county. The uh, Some would say the uh, the best part of the county, Al. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that? <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. I knew, I knew I wouldn't get any argument from you on that. That's, that's not a controversial statement in Ainer, certainly. Truthful statement. Yeah. And... Yeah, and to my, let me cut this. Yeah, Al, you're so, getting some you're getting some feedback somehow, sir. If you could turn your radio, better. try it again. Let me try it again. High tech stuff. Can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. And if you're on a speakerphone, you might want to turn the speakerphone off and just pick the phone off. The, pick the phone up. That may help. But um, but I, I can, did. Oh, much much better. Much better. So. I surely did. And so some of this high-tech stuff, man, is for these high school kids, man, to work in smartphones. And so they don't really help us be that much smarter and stuff, but maybe they take up a lot of our time. 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, sometimes some of this technology can can you wonder if it's really helping us or not? Well, Al, you are. I mean, it can. So if I want to give a shout out to my good friend Larry of Bitterwins, my ex friend that didn't invite me to the mountains along, you know, with him. So oh, I didn't. Anyhow, I didn't get an invitation. Good morning, Larry. I didn't get an invitation. Now he will text me. He always texts me sunrise photos. But no, I didn't. I didn't get. I'll you know I may get a a, a sunrise photo from some very exquisite exotic locations but no I, oh sure you're not the only one oh, who didn't sure. get an invite <laughs> well excuse me gentlemen friend of ours. <laughs> yeah 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 I, I got an invite last week from larry biddle to go to Beach oh, Mountain. Yeah. oh, 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 yeah. oh well yeah. look i'm yeah. rating baby all right all right all right i guess al we, we know where we fit into the pecking order al so al how long Amen. how long have you served you've been on county council a while how long have you served on county council uh since uh, 2007 so so, you know, we're looking about uh, 14, 15 years now. So wow. people undoubtedly undoubtedly trust me and so because they continue to send me back. So and I enjoy it so because I get to help a lot of people and stuff so that probably would not have had access to their elected officials compared to some yeah. um, other areas and other situations mm-hmm. in the past. And so because we know how it is, and so, you know, recent, so because you've been involved in it a yeah. long time. And so, but I really do. I enjoy helping, helping folks. Well, good. And uh, and I've known you for many of those years, and I've always appreciated uh, – we haven't always agreed on everything, but we agree on sure. most things, and uh, I've always – Never will, and so no one does. Yeah, and I, and I really appreciate your – Shannon and I don't all the time. She usually <laughs> well, she's got, wins, more, she's got more yeah. sense than that. She's got more sense than that, Al. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this question. So you've been on, <clears throat> excuse me, and I thank you for your service, by the way. I, I do appreciate what a thank great you, um, so sacrifice that is. Sir. Yes. It's um, an honor to serve the people. Yeah. And what do you uh, – I know one of the things that Ken Richardson said, and it's been on a lot of people's minds, um, you know, my um, – I've got family members. We all know people who have been impacted by the current flooding. Sure. Of course, that's the, just the latest round of it. Uh, one of the things that Ken Richardson said while he was here for the interview, and I, I think you and I maybe chatted about it later, he said, you know, I've lived on the Waccamaw for 35 years. And the first 30 years that I lived on the Waccamaw, I flooded once. But in the last five years of those 35 years, my house has flooded six times, more than once a year. And you've been around these parts, obviously, a long time. You've been on council for uh, many years now, Al. What, what do you attribute all of this to? Do you have any thoughts on that, explanations? I mean, some people are going to tell well, me that. Some people are going to tell me. i a lot of time in it. Yeah, go with, ahead. Um, with the staff, you know. And, but the key here is, he said the most of the flooding in the last five years. Let's uh, take a little trip down um, his, history lane. Yeah. If uh, you'll go back to the previous five years, and if you will look at it, probably somewhere around the time between 2008 and 2014, we went through about a five- to seven-year drought here in Horry County. It was extremely dry. All the ditches were dry. All the rivers were way down. Mm-hmm. You could walk down the Little PD from Gallivant's Ferry to 378. Yeah, everything was just—it was just awful. Now, speed up to within the last three to four, three to four. Uh, Hurricane Florence, you know, came through. Yep. Um, but we have had an over significant of rainfall. Constantly, we've had significant rainfall events over the last three to four years. Not only here but also north of us into the state of North Carolina in the Yakin River Valley, 
which feeds all the way down through their state and comes through the big PD, little PD, and contributes to the Waccamaw, mm-hmm. which in turn and stuff is sending a lot of rain through Horry County down to Winyall Bay. Now, with that said, let me give you a few little stats and stuff, because a lot of people here who have not been here and stuff for a long time, so they don't really really know or really understand. When you move here to Horry County, Horry County is called a part of the low country for a reason. We are very, very low. The highest point, physical point, inside of Horry County is just a, uh, about 104 feet. Yeah. That is it. Okay? Now, through our studies, we have found out we have had our stormwater engineers to actually survey and uh, they have come up with uh, what is uh, called a flow percentage and if you will look look at what they have found is if you go into an area such as south of Loris over towards uh, Waccamaw Mm -hmm. from there to the to the city of Conway to where uh, it crosses under Highway 501. You got you got about a 20 mile movement of water, mm-hmm. but the percentage of slope between those two points is only point zero nine four percent. Yeah. Oh, it's flat. Okay? Yeah, it's flat water it's for flat. sure. Yeah, it's flat. There is no place for the water to go when it gets here. But, well, so, we've got folks are building and stuff along. Well, well let me, before you, before you move on, let me, let, only been, let me ask you one question. There's only been 4.2 acres mm-hmm. of certified wetlands actually filled in Horry County in the last 15 years. People, uh, certified wetlands are lands that mm-hmm. stay wet year-round and stuff that are certified by the Army Corps. Yeah. All of these other other areas are low areas yep. that that can't move the water out fast enough. It don't matter how deep you dig a ditch, it is only going to fill up and go to what the water flow is. And all of our water goes to southern Horry County across into Georgetown and mm-hmm. goes out to Winyall Bay. Well, here's my so here's no- my question, Al. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Tell me what you think about this. And I'm and okay. again, we're just trying to figure these issues out. I'm not, and certainly sure. certainly not. Uh, but we don't we don't change the laws of physics, and and we know huh. we know that we haven't changed the topography of the area. Is what it is, and it's what it's been for hundreds of years. And sure. you know, we've had. I remember growing up as a kid, multiple hurricanes. You know, before my time, there were Hurricane Hazels. There were there were rain events. Um, there were all kinds of issues in terms of like I remember Hugo in '89 dumped a ton of water, oh, yeah. you know, and yeah. the the Waccamaw the Waccamaw has always been a flat water. I grew up canoeing the Waccamaw, water skiing the Waccamaw. It's right. it's always been as you said, very flat, and there are very few places for the water to go, but yet it always managed when, for the most part, there were floods. I remember floods when I was a kid because I grew up you know, along Crabtree Swamp in North Conway. And, of course, that mm-hmm. area has been flooding for a while, even worse now, but it, it still flooded from time to time right. back in the in the 90s and uh, the 80s, right. the 90s. But the lay of the land has kind of been the same for 
uh, hundreds or thousands of years. So what what is different today? Uh, why is it? And I know you said it's a cyclical. Is your position that it's a cyclical because of all the rain we've had? What, what's different? That's my question. Well, well, uh, that is uh, probably the main contributing factor mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. But so there are some are some uh, more. So, but if you think about this, this year we're uh, well. So we're about thirty inches above our normal rainfall. Yep. That's a lot of rain. Oh yeah. That's a For lot sure. of hurricane. Yeah. And us, us along with the Yakin River basin across the state line into North Carolina got the same amount of rain that we've got and all of their water flows south. Now, now Duke power, mm-hmm. we've heard this about them, you know, there and stuff. And yes, uh, there is probably some sort of contributorship there because of the dams, the way that you're, you, and when you say Duke, because we're working on that Duke power, the, the, the way they run the dams, out. the way they run the dams in North Carolina. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, hey, sir. Al, we've got to take a little commercial break, but I'm in. I'm, sure. I'm, I've got more to talk to you about. If you want to stick around with us, can you do that? Sure thing. Okay, Al. Uh, folks, thanks, Al. Uh, folks, we're talking to uh, Congressman uh, Al. You're you got you just got a promotion. No, thank you. We're talking to <laughs> Councilman Al Allen, and and we'll be back after these words from our sponsors with more. Stick around. It's uh, Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flowing like an awful. Daily and nightly, will it ever stop, y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights, and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a band, light up the stage, and wax a chump like a candle dance. Caress the speaker that booms, I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best. So finally love it to leave it, you better gain weight, better hit food. Kid, don't play if it was a problem. I was solving. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves in Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.50 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, March the 6th, 2021. We're talking this morning to Representative Al Allen on who is serving presently and has served on Ory County Council for many years. We're talking about the ongoing issue that many of you are struggling with, which is fl- flooding in and around your neighborhoods, around your home. Um, not me personally, but I have family members who are currently flooded. It's a frustrating and recurring event in many of our lives. We're trying to get to the bottom of it, folks. Al, good uh, morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program. Always a pleasure to have you on. Yes, sir. Certainly. Uh, Morning again and stuff because we're talking about this flooding and stuff. Yeah. I want to give a give a shout out to the Horry County Storm Water. Uh, uh, within the last four years, mm-hmm. we have spent over twelve million dollars plus on uh, over six hundred and fifty sites trying to ease the flooding issues within Horry County and so. But it's going to take a lot more. Yeah. You know, there and so because there's a lot of options out here mm-hmm. on the table, and so besides the rain uh, here, and so we've got to confront Duke 
Duke Power yeah. up there. One we one have question. Looked at a deep snagging and cleaning some mm-hmm. of the actual, you know, waterways around here. Yeah. Let me ask. And uh, something. Yeah. Let me ask you this about Duke, Duke Power because I'm 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 hoping somebody is looking at this. I've I've had some discussions with various people about the idea. But what if we got and I and it would be involving more, I think, than Duke Power. This would be a very big discussion. But if we built various larger dams upstream in the North Carolina area to create more retention capacity, as you said, uh, Al, like in the, in the Yadkin watershed or along the Yadkin or other rivers, is that something that is even feasible? Uh, has anybody looked at that? It, it seems like the topography is just too flat all around here, but is that something that can be done? Has anybody looked at that? It could be, but so, but that's an answer and stuff that you have to get a handful of experts and yeah. stuff, you know, to really study and stuff, because I'm not sure of that. Yeah. So I'm not a hydrologist, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'll tell you something we did with, with Horry County. Mm-hmm. We hired a, a Dr. Rob Young out of Western Carolina university to conduct a flood study for us within here. And so, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, he and his staff, he and his staff have brought some very interesting maps to mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. you know, show us new areas and stuff that had been flooding. And so the one thing that really stood out with, you know, uh, me is that everywhere that uh, there's a major four-lane highway going across Horry County, you can see that just north of that, at the little PD to walk them all to where the floods are actually worse and stuff. And I'm thinking of this and stuff, and I may be off base here and stuff, but 40 or 50 years ago, when when those roads were built through here, they didn't have the engineer studies we have today. And if you'll notice, every highway is filled in all the way up to the banks of each river it crosses, a Gallivance Ferry, you know, et cetera, and so if you come in and so to the city of Conway, and the only place to where there's a bridge is right at the mainstream of the river, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Now, with that said, you've got a lot more water heading south coming towards those, and we've got to figure out some sort of way to move more water underneath these infrastructure sites without harming folks downstream and so because it is creating a dam out there and so yeah out there yeah with the studies that uh, they have supplied us yeah well that's that's an interesting uh that's an interesting idea and um, i'm glad that that they're looking at that problem um and uh, what else let me ask you this question now another idea that i wanted to mention to you has there been further discussion at uh, the county level of trying to get more uh, federal dollars or other dollars to assist with the buyout of any of these properties that are, that are f- flood prone? Certainly there has. And so and I got to give a shout out to my fellow councilman, Mr. Cam Crawford and stuff, because even though he's, uh, well, so he's, you know, taking a lot of heat, a lot of heat and stuff, but I have to hand it to him. He has worked extremely hard with the state. And and actually has I think uh, I think I last heard about seventeen or eighteen million dollars approved at state level that should be that should very shortly be 
available for that exact purpose for the citizens here within Horry County. So yep. he's done a good job. And and one thing that we haven't, and hats off to Cam, thank him for that, um, as you said. And one thing that we haven't talked about is there is a floodwater commission. There was the governor's floodwater commission that was established to look at this issue, and the county has its own floodwater commission, correct? Exactly. Two different entities and stuff. And I can't speak for the governor's floodwater commission, but uh, they met, I think, once or twice mm-hmm. uh, last year. And so and I really, really have not heard. But Horry County has a flooding committee and is chaired by Councilman Orton uh, Bellamy to where uh, we are actively engaged and are actively meeting on a regular uh, basis w- with the tools and such that we're trying extremely hard and such to apply to this current flooding situation and stuff, and we're actively engaged in it. Mm-hmm. And not a stunt, and so we're not just uh, uh, having a press, you know, uh, op, so we're actually sleeves up, rolled up, involved in it. And so Because if you think about it, Western Horry County also uh, has a lot of flooding and stuff because we've got the Church of Landing area, the Gallows mm-hmm. Ferry, mm-hmm. Gunners Island, Jordan Lake, Pitch, Jordanville area, all the way down to, you know, to, you know, uh, 701 South. So we have to, we have to deal also with the same thing yeah. out here. And, and what, Al, if, uh, if, if folks want to follow the work of the flood committee and, and, and maybe participate or, or watch a meeting, how, how do they, how can they find those meetings or where do y'all meet? How often do y'all meet? You can actually go online to Horry County Council government and uh, they actually had the, um, schedule on there and i'm fixing to pull it up we've actually got our next one is scheduled for um i think it's going to be april the 9th i mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. which it should be in such because you'll be able to know it's actually april the 23rd all right we will uh out, we'll try to find that online and try to uh put a link to that on the website and uh you know there's been a lot of uh attention this week out to the development uh approval of, of a development in, in the floodplain what what is what is your take on on how we reconcile all of these developments that are being approved with with the with the uh you know with the current situation of of, of continued flooding well sir growth is here and so well so and i'm a country boy and so yeah. and i prefer and so you know me you know personally and well so to keep all of the land you know free but Growth is here, and growth is what pays for services, yeah. and the growth is what's driving our current local economy right now. So, we have to find a way to work with that growth to, to you know, hopefully make it smart. Yep, smart growth. Smart growth. Al, listen, I appreciate all you do. Thanks for coming on the program. Come back anytime. Yes, sir. Always anytime. great. To, always great to have you on. Thanks, folks. It's Al Allen, and this is Saturday Morning Coffee. We'll be right back after these words. Don't leave town. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. The Army National Guard has taught me the value of showing respect to those I come in contact with each day. My service also allows me to be there for my community in ways others can't. I help my hometown recover after nature strikes. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country and those I care about safe from threats. 
I also work with a network of professionals that help me succeed and accomplish the mission. Plus, the Army National Guard education benefits make getting a higher education a reality. Being an Army National Guard soldier makes living and serving in my community more rewarding every day. Learn how you, too, can live and serve part-time, close to home, by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the South Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the South Carolina Broadcasters Association and this station. This is WTKN Talk 94.5. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. Conservative opinion and insight. Broadcasting from the Tide Law Studios. This is Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. And we're here for a Real Estate Minute with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. And we've talked, Greg, on the show about how hot the real estate market is in South Carolina. Is the market still booming? It's not only booming, it still remains hot. Builders trying to catch up to all the demand. We've got only a two-month supply of inventory. So it's a red-hot seller's market for sure. So if folks are interested in selling, what can the Greg Sisson team help them with? At the end of the day, it still matters on where you price your home from a listing side, because if you overprice your property in this market and it sits for more than 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So it's still important to know the market and price it correctly. So the expertise matters. And how can folks get in touch with the Greg Sisson team? Directly on my cell at 843-251-2693 and gregsisson.com. If you are interested in selling in this market, give them a call. It's the Greg Sisson team, 843-251-2693, or schedule an appointment online at gregsisson.com. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.07 on your Saturday morning. You've made it to the bonus second cup hour of Saturday morning coffee. I hope the second cup is just as good as the first cup. We're joined here in the studio this morning, as I promised, by our own, the Honorable Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Evett joins us here. She's a frequent guest on the program. Many of you know her from the Thursday morning check-in on the Liz Calloway show, but last time she was in the studio, we were here, and we invited her to, invited her to come on Saturday morning coffee, and she was, I think, happy to oblige. <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Evett is an entrepreneur and businesswoman. She resides in Traveler's Rest, and she is a graduate of Cleveland State University, and she is married to David Yvette, and they have three children. She is the president, or was the president, I assume she still is, of, and CEO of Quality Business Solutions, has done that since 2000. So, Lieutenant Governor, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird on a Saturday to yeah. be on the show, right? Not Thursday. <laughs> we, You're we, telling me. Yeah, we do this every uh, every Saturday morning, and it's great to have you with us here uh, in, in person, in the studio. Well, thank you for having me. I hear great things about your show, Reese. Oh, um, um, we're proud of it. We're working on it. It's uh, We've been doing this for about 18 months now, and it's it's fun. We have a good time with it. Uh, and, um, and it seems like, looking at your bio, that you have 
you you are fairly new to politics. <laughs> yes, this it's, is my third year. Yeah. I used to tease people when I was running with the governor. I'd say, you know, I always had a heart to serve, but I wasn't even my high school class president. Oh, wow. So this is... Yeah, this... It, it looks like you were a fairly productive member of society. <laughs> I t- yes, I tried to be. You know, yeah. when you have immigrant grandparents, and all four of mine were, mm-hmm. you have no choice. Yeah. Because they had a guilt. You know, when people talk about, you know, Jewish guilt, I have really close Jewish friends who say, oh, you have no idea about Jewish guilt. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Polish Catholic grandparents who migrated here, yeah. they're like, it's, you, they can get a lot of guilt. It's like, you know, we left our home. You know, we left our family. Mm-hmm. We wanted your father to have a better, you know, life. And we wanted you. Don't disappoint us. It's like yeah. you're not disappointing your parents. Let's so take mm-hmm. a whole lineage of people you disappoint. Yeah. So. so how did the governor talk you into this little excursion into politics? Um, he called me down mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to ask me to be on a committee. Mm-hmm. And my husband was begging me to use the just say no phrase, just say no, because uh, <laughs> I didn't have time. We have a very large company. We're a national company. And um and I always say yes to things because I always try to give back. Uh, so I was shocked when he asked me to run as his lieutenant governor, but extremely honored and mm-hmm. wanted to do more. I was at a point in our, our company was running well and we had great top management. And I had stepped out a few years before that trying to be the face of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just I, I thought it was time to try something new. And I'm so glad I did. I love I love what I do. I love helping people in South Carolina. And uh, I think David has figured out that I'm, I'm not coming back. As long as South Carolina will have me, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, so he has given up the dream of me coming back and helping him at our company. But I, I think it's such an honor yeah. to serve. What What is the day in the life of the lieutenant governor typically look like? What What do you spend your time doing? Well, you know, it, every day is different. Uh, you know, I, I'm at the state house uh, three days a week when it's in session, and I try to follow bills uh, that are going on and things that are important to the governor, uh, things that are important to me. You know, Henry and I, uh, we're very uh, in line with what we what we believe, so it's really easy to serve with him. Uh, you know, the heartbeat bill was something that was very near and dear to my heart, and I you know, testified in the House, testified in the Senate for that. Yep. Uh, I really act, my, my position is so new, Reese, because I'm the first lieutenant governor that hasn't provided, you know, presided over the Senate. And I don't uh, operate Office of the Aging. Office mm-hmm. of the Aging is under, you know, the, the governor's cabinet. A new cabinet, yeah. Yeah, and position. so and so I get to more more or less be the ambassador for the state. I go around, I talk to businesses, I work with schools, I focus on education, Um you know, when the governor asked me to run, I said, well, what would you want me to do? He says, I want you to do whatever impacts the people of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I get to do. So every day is rather different for yeah, me. We, um, we've had this discussion. I worked uh, in the – actually, my first job out of law school was in the governor's legal office. And I worked for Governor Campbell when Carol Campbell was governor. And at that point in time, uh, I believe Nick Theodore was the lieutenant governor. And he was a different party. And – Campbell and Theodore, they didn't dislike each other, but we really had no interaction. Uh, the staff was completely different. The two of them never really did much together except at ceremonial things occasionally, those types of gatherings. So I, it's fascinating to me that you and – which is the way it should be, frankly. Yeah. It, it seems to make a lot more sense the way y'all are doing it now, and y'all seem to be a very good team. Well, I do. I, I admire the governor and, and what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how our state has – has really 
not been impacted and affected like other states, especially blue states. Yeah. You know, my heart breaks for businesses in those states. And um, I talked with Canute uh, Fleur, the president of BMW, the other day, and BMW had an amazing year, and he credits that for the good leadership of the governor in this state. You yeah. know, they he speaks with all kinds of businesses, uh, and he said, you know, the way you know BMW was impacted was not the way most businesses were impacted. You know, you look at Michigan; mm-hmm. you don't even have to look that far. Look at yeah. North Carolina. Well, yeah, and I was going to mention that. Speaking, of, but speaking before I leave uh, the subject of of Campbell, I would say, speaking of BMW, you know, Campbell had everything to do with the fact that we have BMW, which I think has paid lasting. Obviously, that was the the big breakthrough. I think that South Carolina needed. And yeah. once BMW came to Greer, it's opened up so many doors for us. And 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 frankly, I don't, I don't know if you ever met Governor Campbell, but what an amazing man. And, and the fact that they were able to accomplish that, and, and I was in a small way working on that effort. But in, 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 in retrospect, that was an incredibly uh, important thing that happened for South Carolina back in the 90s. You know, I agree. I never got the pleasure of meeting Governor Campbell, but I've met his family. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's why people have to be – I'm. you know, when you come out of business and when you're in business, you're a big picture person, right? You yeah. look at things in the big picture and you don't look at it so compartmentalized. And, you know, BMW shows us how that pays off, right? You know, a lot of people didn't want BMW to come here. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that fought it. But now look at all the businesses who have, that have come to South Carolina oh, yeah. to service. I mean, how many small businesses would have never had the opportunity to emerge if BMW wasn't there, all the suppliers and oh. all the all the spillover economic benefits of that have been imme- immeasurable. Exactly. Um, and you mentioned North Carolina, y'all. Uh, the governor, you and the governor, got some great press this week. I think it was a Wallet Hub survey survey that yeah. that put you guys put us South Carolina under the leadership of you and Governor McMaster uh, as the second least restrictive uh, state in terms of how we have responded to. The COVID uh, crisis. I noticed he tweeted out that uh, congratulating Texas and Mississippi for lifting their mask mandate, but noting that we don't have to do that because we never had one. Exactly. You know, that was the hardest thing about the pandemic, Reese, is that you get filtered so much information, right? You get national news. We get news from other states. It was really hard for people to keep track of what was a yeah. South Carolina mm-hmm. regulation and what wasn't? You know, the governor was very tempered and he was very focused yeah. and he never wanted to trample on the constitutional rights of any South Carolinian. And mm-hmm. so, you know how many times people came to me and said, when is the governor going to allow churches to open? And I would say, well, the governor never yeah. closed churches. We never closed them down. Yeah. And they yeah. said, well, my church hasn't been open for two months. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, and this really, I don't know that it People have not traveled as much. A lot of people curtail travel. We curtailed uh, travel because of COVID. We didn't want to put our family on a plane. But one of the things we did do this summer is we went up to the mountains of North Carolina. And we went through Cherokee and Brevard and Bowling, you know, all those places up in the mountains yeah. along the Blue Ridge. And one of the things that, like, for instance, will stand out in my memory, we were passing through Cherokee. And we were staying there at a, at a bed and breakfast there in Cherokee. And we were out trying and we were looking for something to eat. And everything in town was shut down. The place was like a, a ghost town. And that is what reminded me um, that, um, you know, there's a big difference between living in a state run by Henry McMaster versus in a state run by Governor Cooper in North Carolina. 
And, and it makes a lot of difference for the people who are trying to survive, trying to run their small business. You know, I went to a, a new restaurant up in Greenville um, called White Duck Taco. And the owner actually lives in Asheville. And he came up to my table and he said, I don't want to bother you. He said, but thank God my business is here. Yeah. Because he said, I go on blog um, like shows with other restaurants from around the country and they – um, they are they're closing down. Oh, they, yeah. they, they 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 just still have takeout. He goes, but I'm thriving. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Lieutenant Governor, we've got to take a little commercial break. Can you stick with us? Absolutely. You are welcome to stay as long as you like. You know, and normally it's Saturday morning coffee. We we have coffee, and I assumed you would have your own coffee. <laughs> but the next time you're in the studio, I'm gonna, we're going to have some some of our favorite coffee oh, that's, for you. That's so, wonderful, uh, folks. We're talking to Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, and we've got a take a slight commercial break after these words from our sponsors we'll be right back with more i'm reese boyd this is saturday morning coffee don't leave town text us 843-798-TALK saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour on talk 94.5 saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour on talk 94.5 everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour it is 8 22 on your saturday morning thanks for sharing your saturday morning with us we are talking this morning to lieutenant governor pamela evett she's joined us here in the studio welcome back lieutenant governor oh thank you it's always great to see you always great to hear from you those of you who listen to the liz Callaway morning show on weekdays know that the lieutenant governor is a regular guest on the Liz show for the Columbia check-in every Thursday morning at eight. Is it eight? Yes. Uh, at eight to eight thirty. Eight to eight thirty. So, you know, did you watch uh, CPAC? Did you watch, did you go to CPAC? I did not go to CPAC, but okay. I did watch it. Did you watch the president's speech? Absolutely. No, I, I keep calling him the president. Did you watch Donald Trump's speech? I always call him 45. 45. Did you I watch 45? 45. 45. Uh, yes, I did. I was, we were all kind of glued to the TV, uh, the whole family. Mm-hmm. And just watch. You know what? It was nice. It was so nice to see a leader again. Oh, yeah. Somebody Amen. That, Amen. Exactly. Somebody yeah. that stood up there and had a vision and talked about what he, yeah. what he, what he saw, what he wanted, a future. Yeah. Somebody, like, somebody who doesn't look at a handler off screen and say, oh, Amy, what am I supposed to do? Am, yeah. I, am I supposed to answer questions now? Energy, <laughs> nobody, stamina. Uh, yeah. I mean, exactly. Nobody that unplugged. I mean, uplifting. it was lifting. Can you, Amazing. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, having a president that you're so, well, I can imagine it because we do, that people are so worried about, they just shut off his interview because it's going, you know, it's going off the rails and nobody knows what to do. So they just shut it down. Yeah. Nancy, Nancy actually almost laughed a little bit when he said, am I supposed to take questions, Nan? Yeah. There was and then she kind of like chuckled some, a little bit. And, there were some chuckles. Yeah. And I, so I thought we were talking about it earlier this morning. I thought it was a very uh, important speech. It was. I, I, there's been a question, I think, as to how Donald Trump fits into the scheme of things after everything that happened in January. 
I think he sort of reestablished himself, and and that was uh, I thought it, that was a a, a very uh, good turn that he did. He mentioned two things that I wanted to ask you about. He said that you know he, he singled out the Biden administration as as the worst opening month in in modern history, but he also said uh, that there were two crisis points. One is the is the situation at the southern border, which is truly a disaster of their own making. They have created this. Oh yeah, and uh, it's I mean the the immigration. ICE and the Customs and Border Patrol folks are, are I think, rightly uh, almost in revolt. But but what do, what do you think about what's going on down at the southern border? Well, I think it's a shame. You know, I feel for the for the people down there. Yeah. You know, there was a I saw an interview on a woman whose property mm-hmm. was bordering that that um, the wall and, and the southern border. Yeah. And she said on any given day, just people are just walking through her property and, and she yeah. calls law enforcement and she can't find them. She doesn't know who these people are. Just imagine if somebody was walking through your yard, a mm-hmm. group, and you don't know what their intentions are. Are they good? Are they bad? Where are they? You have young children. That's that's scary. That should not be happening in this country. And yeah. like I mentioned, my grandparents were immigrants. Mm-hmm. They came in the right way. But I think we have a younger generation that believes that America just takes everybody well, I heard a different story from my grandparents. Like once they got here, they didn't know if they could stay. They 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 had to go through a series of things, and they could have had to go back. Ellis Island didn't accept yeah, everybody who made a, it shorts. It wasn't a guarantee. No, you no. you and you had to be somebody that can contribute to this country. You know, back in the day when we had the big Eastern you know immigrants flooding in our country, you had to take care of yourself. You had to have somebody that sponsored you. You had to be well. Um, you know, the, and these were all things that I learned firsthand from four people who came through Ellis Island yeah. and, and came here. So this isn't speculation. You had an interesting, it's absolutely true. And you had an interesting point during the break. You said, you know, where are the Congress folk? What if they just went down there? I mean, what, what, what would be wrong with our congressional representatives going down there and studying this problem firsthand? As you said, the media would have to follow them, right? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. if it's a big enough deal, the media will follow even when they don't want to, right? Because we can see right now where the media has really, where their loyalties lie. We've seen that firsthand. And, uh, you know, when when they got wind that this would be something negative against 45, they were down at the border. They oh, were yeah. taping. But the bad part Putting is. children in cages. But they were yeah. taking pictures from the Obama-Biden administration. Yeah. And using them against And Trump. using them against, you know, uh, President Trump. And and so now they're staying away. I mean, you're, you're just seeing orderly people getting on buses you're not seeing the people laying in the streets like they did when president trump you know was president and i think that would force force them to get to the border yeah if you rely on cnn you you don't even realize this is happening exactly you have to go you have to go deep into the weeds to get information about this and unfortunately our younger generation and i know it because i have a lot of nieces and nephews that are in that 30 to 20 range they get a lot of social media off of you know, they get a lot of their news off of social media sites. So it's clips, it's headlines, it's not content. Because, I mean, we literally had a big family gathering where, um, you know, the lieutenant governor of South Carolina is now yelling at her uh, nieces and nephews going, those pictures were pictures, you know, made them Google it. Like you have to force them. And I think it's mm-hmm. important for mm-hmm. us to have real dialogue with that generation because they were delivered news a lot different than yeah. we were. And so sometimes they're not digging into the story. I think it's an it's important for for us to really have conversations and not think, oh, they'll figure it out. Yeah. 
Um, there was uh, another point that the president made I wanted to ask you about. He said, that in addition to the border crisis, that children need to get back in school as soon as possible. And we were also talking about this during the break. And that Joe Biden has sold out America's youth to the teachers unions of this country. What do you feel about that? Well, you know, I agree. Children need to be in school. Uh, Governor McMaster has said that. We'll give um, you a ding. There was paper on the bell, but we'll give you a ding for that one. But Governor McMaster has been saying that um, this entire crisis. Kids need to be in the classroom five days a week uh, in front of a teacher being instructed. Um, It's not within his powers to make happen because we have an elected superintendent of education. So Mm -hmm. it crosses his powers. He has asked the state legislature to send him a bill or send him a bill. He would sign into law forcing, you know, schools to open up. Uh, that hasn't been done. He's yeah. asked for that again in the last week. I saw that. I yeah. saw that press conference. And, and you know, I agree with him. I mean, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. And my son, Jackson, you know, last year was not easy for him. Now, he goes to a parochial school. And so he has been face-to-face since August, you know, in classroom instruction. But that that last year's period of time, it was challenging. Oh, yeah. And to a, to a student who's a good student, who doesn't have any learning issues, my heart goes out to the parents whose children have learning issues, where every day missed is a setback. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've we heard that. I've heard that as long as I've been a parent. Every day your child's not in school, it's a setback it's to their setback. education. Yeah. Where is that mindset now? And we had kids, when, when our kids transitioned to virtual, which they which they were virtual for a while, I noticed problems as a dad just you know i noticed problems I- immediately um and my son was telling me dad there are kids in school that are just dropping out you know that are not that are not following not participating in zoom one thing real quick i wanted to ask you about that that press conference that episode and i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit i apologize okay, that's okay uh, that press conference reminds me uh the, of the fact that i think molly spearman's job needs to be a cabinet position i think the governor should appoint a secretary of education and that's that, that's what the people wanted right that yeah. went to the ballot yeah. in 2018 when the governor and i uh when we were on the ballot i think the problem is people took for granted right that mm-hmm. that uh, south carolinians knew what that meant people were very confused by that i think there is now a push in the legislature to do that again is to make that an appointed position um, that has criteria, right? Yeah. Like like with that, it came criteria. So yeah. I count on you, if that does get back on the ballot, to educate because I think yeah. so. people just didn't it's, know what that meant. It's so important. There are so many things about South Carolina state government that we need to modernize. You know, they say we live in a legislative state. We need to send people to the General Assembly who are willing to cede power back to the governor's office, in my opinion, just one man's opinion, cede power back to the governor's office and create a more streamlined cabinet form of government. Um, But the other thing that Molly Spearman said that caught my attention, there was a discussion at the press conference, if it's the same one that I'm thinking about, about a transgender athlete. And uh, the Secretary of Education, kind of to my surprise, said, yeah, if there was a biological male who identified as a female, that she would support his, her effort to his effort to participate in, in, in interscholastic sports. How do you feel about that? So, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom of a daughter, yeah. too, and I have friends who have invested a lot of money in their daughter's uh, abilities to excel and get yeah. scholarships, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't a small undertaking. To yeah. a parent whose child is very athletically inclined, 
they spend upwards of fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year on coaching and camps and to get to hopefully the payoff being a scholarship. And I yeah. feel for those parents. Uh, I never was blessed with a child. You know, my daughter loved to play sports, but I never thought you know academically is where she was going to get a scholarship. Right, um, but they they. Are vic- they are victims in this, too, because I think what I have read, and I'm by no means a doctor, mm-hmm. is that it is an unfair advantage. You know, sure. that muscle mass and, and things like this, it, it's an advantage. And if, if you – I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. You're, if if you're you good. look at the state of Connecticut right now, of the, like, top 20 – and I'm, I'll have to pull the study, the exact study. The top 20 statewide girls track state records are, are now held by, by biological males. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a clear, there's an unbelievable males that would not have been competitive were they running as males that have now identified as females and they're sweeping state records. They're setting, you know, new state records, historic records of all time, you know, state historic records. So it's really clearly anybody who doesn't acknowledge the unfairness of it. And what's funny to me is there's a bill in the South Carolina General Assembly right now that says in order to play girls sports, you have to be a girl. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, really? You know? Yeah, yeah, Representative Trantham has yeah. put forth that bill, and I'm being sarcastic. I mean, it's just yeah. astonishing to me that we live in an age where we have to where we need that bill. Clarify, right? Yeah, yeah. But I feel bad for her, Reese, because I don't know. If, you know, it's it. She has shared that on social media. I mean, she has had a numerous amount of death threats for putting that bill up, yeah, yeah. and it is really, it's really it's sad. sad. It's sad. Nobody, nobody should. Nobody's life should be threatened. For there that. is another bill I want to ask you about real quick. Have you uh, been following the bill to stop internet censorship in South Carolina? I think I may have mentioned that to you earlier. It's the same bill that Governor DeSantis in Florida has been getting so much attention for. Exactly. I have not been completely. There's so many great bills. I mean, um, Speaker Lucas, what a great speaker. He has, is a true leader yeah. in in the House. He has talked about it is just there are so many bills going through. Yeah. Your state representatives are working really hard. And it's really to kind of um, uh, sure up any gray area, right? We don't want any yeah. gray area with all this with all the changes and executive orders coming down from the federal government, they are really in there saying, okay, where do we have a gray area that we yeah. have to tighten up? And bills are just flying through. Well, the, the and I think the broad heading for that is called the pushback agenda. But the, mm-hmm. the bill that Representative Mike Burns, I think he's from your area. He is. My, yeah. He's actually my representative. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. He's from Traveler's Rest, I believe. <laughs> he is. And so I didn't even know, I didn't even make that connection until just now. So, and what a wonderful name for a town, Traveler's Rest. I, I know. Mean, that's like, uh, that's it's like, a resort that, town. That's like Garrison Keeler. That's like Garrison <laughs> Keeler country. Or Mayberry. Yeah, Mayberry. <laughs> that's right. Mayberry RFD. But from Traveler's Rest, Mike Burns has sponsored a bill. It's called the Stop Internet Censorship. And it takes advantage of a provision in the Federal Communications Decency Act, Section 230 of that act, uh, allows states to set up a tort law remedy within their state code that allows states to sue Google, to sue a Twitter, to mm-hmm. sue them for discriminating against them on the basis of their religious or political beliefs. And, and it creates a great tool for individuals who have been deplatformed uh, or, or who have been censored or throttled because of their conservative political beliefs to get back at big tech, which is I think what's happening in big tech is probably as dangerous as anything that's happening in the country. So I encourage you to get with the governor and because DeSantis is getting a ton of press on this issue. And we actually had our bill before Florida had their bill. So we should be at the front of the pack. 
You're right. And, you know, it's like we talked about on Thursday. Our governor is truly a statesman, right? Yeah. He He's not a, I'm going to stand on this podium yeah. and beat my chest. I'll say boy. That's I'll right. say boy. <laughs> That's right. He wants people to understand that when he goes to his office every day, he yeah. rolls up his sleeves. He works hard for the people of South Carolina. And it's not about you know fanfare and oh come and pat my back yeah. he does it because it's his job he, yeah. he truly is a statesman so you're going to promise me that you'll talk to him i about am going to talk to him i say reese boyd wants you to stand on a soapbox and beat your chest I a little bit to, i want him to beat the drums <laughs> there for you that go bill. there you go um and i'm going to ask you about it next time you're on the show i will and by the I, way next time you're on that. the show i'm going to i'm going to bring you some coffee I okay i didn't bring you coffee today because i thought you would have already be covered but glenn we've got some questions on the pcrx computers uh, yeah real, real quick um and durham um you, you all know she's a um, a player in the Republican Party here in town. Yeah. Uh, she wants us to ask you about the Senate and House bills in committee that say we can't be forced to take vaccinations. Okay. Yeah. Well, right now they they're they're probably trying to put that into law, but the governor has already always said from the beginning that that was not something he would do is to force anybody, and nobody has been forced. Yeah. Uh, you know, to to today. I mean, we had a. a a vaccine program it was a federal program that went into nursing homes and assisted living homes. Um, and there were people in there who said, I don't want it. And nobody made them take it. And those are our most vulnerable people, yeah. right, that really should have taken it. Um, but there has been nobody in the state of South Carolina who has been forced. So right. that, that's a good thing. Right now it's not even it's a free issue. choice. I have, an, I have an 88 and an 84-year-old parents, and um, it's their free choice whether they'd like to have yeah. that Absolutely. It's the beauty of being an American. Thank God, yes. <laughs> one uh, one last question, Governor. The, uh, go, see, I'm, yeah. I, I, gave you a, I gave Al Allen a promotion moments ago. I, I promoted Al Allen yeah. to Congress. Yeah. Now I'm promoting Pamela Evett to Governor. So I'll, can I be your chief of staff? There you go. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, I found out when I became Lieutenant Governor, so there's all these protocols, right? I'm yeah. Lieutenant Governor when the governor's in the room. But a lot of people will call the lieutenant governor governor if the governor's not there. Yeah. Don't ever do that if the governor's there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one more question that's come in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line from our one of our loyal listeners, Augie. Uh, Augie's asking about the state of emergency that the governor's been de- – I mean, it was declared and then it was mm-hmm. redeclared. It's been kind of a, a cyclical. Do you know what's going on? How many more state of emergencies are there going to be? Or do we know how long that will last? Well, right now, you know, the Guard is a big help in what's going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Guard has fixed issues in the van system. They have distributed vaccines. They have done COVID testing. Mm -hmm. They stood ready when we were worried about our hospitals early on, maybe overrun. And what a lot of people don't know is when we're at a state of emergency, um, the taxpayers of South Carolina, they do not solely flip the bill for certain things, right? Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. guard then, we get reimbursed from the federal government if we're a state of emergency. Um, If there's, because we're a state of emergency, there's a stimulus package being looked at. If you're not in a state of emergency, you know, you could lose the benefits from the federal government that come down to your state. And those benefits can be substantial to small businesses. So there are reasons other than the governor having power. You know, again, we talk about are you looking at it in the narrow scope? Like yeah. when we talked about BMW, right? Are you mm-hmm. looking at it in the broad scope? If you close down a state of emergency, these small businesses could be hurt. Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. Just because you don't like the fact that we're in a state of emergency. Right now, as of last night, the governor list, lifted. Um, he had two basically only mandates left where he had asked uh, restaurants to have face masks because he wanted to help the restaurant industry. That came at the um, at the suggestion of the restaurant industry. That's what the governor 
governor did. He went out to industry and said, tell me what I can do to help you not be impacted. And that's where that was born from. And uh, the CDC had guidelines, and so did DHEC, about state office buildings, uh, that the people be masked up in state office buildings as we were com- as we were getting back to work. And as of last night, he lifted those. So there were really no other issues uh, with executive orders. We're yeah. sit at a state of emergency, but there's nothing hampering um, what's going on. And so um, I, sometimes I think people get – they don't really understand all the complexities of what a state – and I wouldn't have. Oh, yeah. I mean, before no, I became lieutenant governor, I wouldn't have understood how this all worked. And that's why I think it's important to have good leaders that understand the government process, all the, all right? All Because, you know, I went to I went to dinner when uh, the, the Federation of Republican Women had uh, Hans von, and I'll mess up his last name, with the Heritage Association, mm-hmm. is it St- Stefanski? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had the Secretary of State of Alabama. And I said, okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What happened in Georgia? Yeah. How did that happen? And they said, listen, South Carolina could have been Georgia had you not had the governor you had. Because he knew exactly how to fight everything, what needed to be taken care of. Experience matters. Yeah, that and I think you're absolutely correct. And that reminds me of another point that you and I have been talking about. I believe he said in that discussion that the the voting machines were not connected to the Internet. And and we haven't talked about that today, but that'll have to be a discussion for another day. And I'm still working on that issue. And and we still are, are, are working to figure out all the things that may have happened in November and Georgia. But is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before no. uh, before you go? No, just, you know, you guys are doing a great job getting good news out. So I'm glad they're listening to you. They're listening to Liz. You know, it's, it's good that you bring so many people on that they – your listeners get a perspective because I said there's it's so easy to – to think something you're hearing is a South Carolina piece of news when really we're inundated with news oh, yeah. from other states and, and the oh, Fed. Yeah. But going people, back – People get confused yes. as to whether something's happening here or local because the, the where you have to go for news now, you have to go find it. If you exactly. want If you want real news, it's like – Truth. For yeah, if you want if truth. You, yeah. No fake news. Yeah. But, I mean, that, here it is the truth. Yeah. Exactly. As close as we you, were, you were saying something? So your question about the voting machines. So mm-hmm. Gary Smith, Representative Smith, is putting a bill in on voting. And and I reached out to the Secretary of State of Alabama because what the Heritage Foundation said is that their voting laws are the gold standard. Uh-huh. They, so that's what the Heritage Foundation believes. And that um, it has already been battled out in court all the things that they put into place and they've won so uh the secretary of state was very happy to share with me uh, mm-hmm. their voting laws and i've passed that on and, and told gary about what you said how you know i when somebody asks me a question yeah. i will go and hunt down the answer if yeah. i don't know it i said and I, I thought i had a great answer and then i was on with reese boyd and he said but i am a precinct manager and this happened he said really like yeah. so it's great that we it's talk it's a conundrum it's it, a conundrum but it's great yeah. that we talk about it out loud cuz that's how you solve problems yeah. you know, the governor says it all the time collaboration cooperation communication that's how you get things done everybody is telling me these machines don't connect to the internet and i'm like folks i work a poll i ran garden city 2 the first thing i did is pull a little black box out of the out of the packet out of the kit and it's a Verizon hotspot. Now, what is that hotspot for? Yeah, what is it hotspotting, yeah, right? And what is it? It's not connecting to the psychic network, I can assure you. <laughs> I mean, it's connecting to the Internet. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's a great issue. And I noticed that the president, he signaled out also at CPAC, we've got to have signature verification. 
We've got to make sure that people voting are U.S. citizens, and we've got to have, we've got to have chain of custody for every ballot from the moment it's cast until that election is in the history books. And to me, to me, that implies a paper ballot. He didn't really say that. But I think yet yeah, these things aren't negotiable because if we can't trust what happens on Election Day, and it should be a day, not a year or a month, yeah. um, we don't have a country. And isn't it funny, like what, what struck out to me, my mother is 92 years old, and she said, I can remember when we voted with paper ballots. We knew at the end of the day. Yeah. And now we have computers and technology and, and it, it went on days. And, and fraud. And yeah. Yeah. But, but when we had paper ballots <laughs> exactly. back back in the day, everybody yeah. knew. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knew what happened and nobody questioned. And they never stopped counting until That's it right. was done. Exactly. They didn't go home for the yeah. night. They, and didn't come back the break they didn't take a break at 2 a.m. Yeah, we've gotten soft as Americans yeah. now have a week. <laughs> well, Lieutenant Governor, it is always great to talk to you. And it's great to have you here. Come back anytime. Consider, consider this an open invitation anytime y'all are in town. For the weekend. Well, this is great. Yeah. I love this. I yeah. love getting out. I love talking to people, and I love talking about the great things the governor's doing. Well, I love talking to you. You are wonderful. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And Thank you. Come back anytime. I will. Thank you all so much. Folks, that's Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett here on Saturday Morning Coffee. After these words from our sponsors, many of them waiting to talk to you, we'll be back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Just finished a rather lengthy, but I think highly informative interview with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Man, is she top drawer or is she top drawer? Top shelf and top drawer, yeah. She is top shelf. Um, That was just uh, so great to, to spend some time talking with her this morning. And the more I get to know her, like so many of us, I didn't really know who she was before she became... Uh, Henry McMaster's running mate. But goodness gracious, what a great asset she is to the state of South Carolina. She's a true believer, folks. And every time I talk with her, I am more and more impressed. So I want to thank the lieutenant governor for coming on the show. What a bright uh, future she has as well. And a bright future for South Carolina. Bright future for all of us here in South Carolina who are blessed that she's laid down uh, Laid down the business hat long enough to pick up the uh, mantle of public service, and you get the you get the sense from her that it really is about public service. You Absolutely. know, there, there there are too many there are too many people involved in quote unquote public service, folks. If you drill down into it and really talk to them, what it's really about is about ego. Uh, I don't know why. Well, politics attracts those people because they get all the attention, and if you're an ego hound. You're going to be attracted to the spotlight. That's like moths to the flame. There's no shock there. If you have a attention deficit 
disorder. And by that, I mean if you hadn't gotten enough attention and you need to be built up daily by the adulations of thousands and millions of people, you're going to be attracted to that line of work. Those aren't the kind of people that you really need in politics. Mm-hmm. They're, there for the, they're, they're frankly there for the wrong reason. If you're in politics because you want to maximize your self-confidence or your sense of self-worth or your personal wealth or your family's wealth or any of those reasons, you don't need to be in politics. It's called public service for a reason. And when you talk to her, you don't get any of that. No. You don't get any of that. She doesn't. I, I get the distinct impression, though she would never say it, I get the distinct impression she doesn't need the money. She's got a very successful business. Um, it's not about ego. You that, oh, that she's very down to earth. Very down to earth. And you know, in this business, we deal with egos on a daily basis. Oh, sure, absolutely. And um, she's very down to earth and very pleasant. Yeah. So thank you again, Lieutenant Governor Evett, for joining us on the program. And I promoted her this morning, so yeah. I feel I'll be maybe the first person to have given her that promotion. Who, Who knows? knows? Who it knows? might have just been like a little whisper. A in little the whisper and in the something ear. to keep in the cranial yeah. cavity for a while. A lot of folks, uh, a lot of news folks to talk about that we haven't yet gotten to, but I wanted to give the lieutenant governor really as much time as she wanted to spend with us and enjoyed that very much. One of the other things I wanted to mention to y'all, of course, we covered the Trump speech at CPAC also this week. H.R. 1, enacted by our good friends uh, in the House of Representatives. Folks, I just want to tell you, H.R. 1 is an absolute disaster. Yes. It is an absolute disaster. And you need to sit down, uh, write your senators, Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham, letters. They don't need your assistance reaching this conclusion, but they need to hear from you. They need to be as staunchly opposed to H.R. 1 uh, as they can be, folks. H.R. 1 is just, it would be, I, I think it may be one of the last few nails we would have the privilege of nailing in the coffin of American freedom. Uh, the Public Interest Legal Foundation has uh, issued a study which says H.R. 1 is an attack on American liberties. This from the pages of the Epoch Times Um, Critics warn Democrats' bill, H.R. 1, is an attack on freedom. We have uh, been, uh, people uh, are voting, will be voting. uh, Bear with me, y'all, I'm getting my notes in front of me. We have been collecting over the years non-citizen maintenance data for state voter registration rolls, and here's how it works. People apply to register to vote who are non-citizens, and sometimes they announce that they are non-citizens on the registration forms. It says, are you a U.S. citizen? And they mark no, and they get registered to vote anyhow. And it's not until later that it's discovered. Meanwhile, they have been voting in American elections for years. Um, H.R. 1 would allow people to automatically, would require people to be automatically uh, registered to vote who are on certain government-maintained data rolls. For instance, if you're on uh, welfare, welfare uh, recipient benefit list, uh, you would automatically be registered to vote pursuant to the terms of H.R. 1. That would be federal law. Once upon a time, folks, the controversy in this country, to the extent we had some, was how easy it should be for you to register to vote. Now we have a government that wants to force feed voter registration and participation in the voting process to millions of people who don't even have to express a desire to participate. Folks, democracy, freedom is a participatory exercise. It's not a it's not it's not a spectator sport. And uh, among other things, H.R. 1 would create a federal bureaucracy that is responsible for delineating the lines between our various voting districts. Congressional redistricting would be done by the federal bureaucracy. 
It's it's absolute insanity. Folks, I remember once upon a time, going back to the Campbell administration, when South Carolina got its first GIS computer, and it was set up in the basement of the state house. And we take GIS for granted these days, but back in the day, it was a pretty big deal. And the the legislators would come in one by one, and they would meet with the governor's legal counsel, who was running the, the computer at that time, and they would sit down, and they would literally go through the map, district, uh, neighborhood by neighborhood, and draw the line. And it would snake through these neighborhoods, and, and, and the, the guy running the computer, the governor's chief legal counsel, would say, do you want this district? district? Do you want this district? No, take a left here at this street. Let's go this way. And, folks, let me tell you, even on that level, it was ugly. If you want to be gerrymandered out of your ability to influence the outcome of the government that decides how your life is going to go, let some federal bureaucracy that is unelected, unaccountable, and unknown to 99.999% of us become responsible for drawing the district lines that make up the congressional map. If that ever happens, folks, it's over. Game over. So... Whatever you have to do to oppose H.R. 1, write your congressman, write every congressman. Let your opinion be known. It's an absolute disaster, folks. Let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. This is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Folks, y'all have a great weekend. We'll be back next week with more Saturday morning coffee. Right now, it's Tom Heron and Up With America, so stick around. Thanks for waking up with Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.